0: Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Let's get into the word of the Lord, Matthew, the ninth chapter. I'm going to read four verses here from Matthew, the ninth chapter, and we're going to see what the Lord is speaking to us tonight through his word. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Everybody say he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. He's saying, look around you, there's a lot of people here that have needs. A lot of people with a lot of needs. The harvest, he says, is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. By the help of the Lord tonight, I want to speak to you for a little bit on the word from the 36th verse. He was moved with compassion. And I want to talk to you tonight about that word, compassion, compassion. Lord, help us tonight to handle your word with sincerity. Lord, I pray tonight, God, as we dig into your word, that the heart of this passage rests deep in the spirit and heart of your people that are in this room tonight, minister to us now. Help us by your mercy and your grace in Jesus' name. God bless you. You can be seated. Compassion. Compassion. Say that word with me. Compassion. I realize the first thought in some of our minds when I mention the word compassion. The first thought in some minds immediately is, what if I get conned? Hello. The first thought: What if I get conned, or what if I get taken advantage of by others? Before I get into this tonight, I want to I want to handle that question. Otherwise, you're going to disconnect from me right off the start, and my words are just going to echo, and you're going to be. Washing dishes, mowing the lawn, raking leaves, whatever—you're just going to be, you're going to be somewhere else while I'm talking. So I want to connect you. Jesus says this. He says, when you have done it unto the least of these—not not those that are worthy, not the high and mighty, not those that have notoriety, not those that are going to get your name in lights—but when you have done it unto the least of these, you have done it unto me and he was speaking about a response to a heart of compassion. He also gives us very explicit details in scriptures regarding our giving and a lot of people give with strings attached. and, and this is it's an unbiblical way of giving. Uh, I've seen people be very faithful, in their giving, support of the church. But God blesses them in some way. Maybe they receive a large inheritance or they come into a large sum of money. They win the lottery and don't tell us why, where it's coming from. But Come on, lighten up, folks. It's Wednesday night. So they give with strings attached. They're giving... They're giving comes with strings attached because they want to make sure that this is where I want this I want this put a particular way and the scripture the scripture says that that our giving should be given as unto the Lord so uh, the text teaches about our about our giving and It talks about the tithe being given, the Old Testament, speaking of Melchizedek, which is talking about the priesthood. And so here, the scripture says here, we give our tithes and alms unto men. But there, it's talking about in heaven, but there he receives it in heaven. So, the act of what we do with this subject of compassion, I want to I get past this before we ever get started tonight because I can speak the word compassion and the first thing that happens if we're not careful is a block comes up because we've been conned before. Hello. We've been taken advantage of before. The issue is it, that's between them and God. And I'm not sure that I would want to be a con artist on Judgment Day. Because when good, sincere, and honest people give, not out of their abundance, but give even of things that they need and want, and give through a heart that is filled with compassion and they're taken advantage of, they're misused, funds are mismanaged, people are hurt, I'm not sure because if God receives what we do, we here we give to mortal men, there he receives it in heaven, meaning what we do. So somehow there is a God attached to it. And I believe that there is judgment that is going to be involved in those who take advantage. I, I, I can't take it... A, uh, maybe it's in there but i, I don't have biblical proof for, proof of this but somehow and if you do i want you to share it with me tonight after i'm done because i i want to know i want to know because i believe that god's hand is involved and i do know this much their life will never be blessed you you could take advantage of somebody all you want your life's not going to be blessed and if you're not a giver if you're if you don't give with compassion the, the scripture teaches us some principles the blessings of God will not flow into your life. There There's several things that, that are involved. If we're not faithful in returning our tithe unto the Lord and in this type of thing, that the scripture teaches that He basically uh, that, that He will put He will put holes in our pockets. But when we have a heart of compassion, and I'm not just speaking of of just returning our tithing unto the Lord or just giving in the church, but I'm talking about a heart because compassion is a a heart issue. And so when we have compassion toward others, compassion toward needs, compassion, it, it stirs something deep within our spirit in the church. I find that charity is more common than compassion. I want you to understand what I'm saying. Charity is more common than compassion because charity is tax deductible. But compassion takes your time, your energy, and your emotion. Because Charity may be giving of your funds and finances, but compassion causes you to do more than just give of your excess. And what we're going to talk about tonight is compassion. Godly, Christ-like compassion. Compassion in the midst of, of our own wants and our own needs. Compassion in the midst of our own limitations. When we don't have time to do everything that we need to do, compassion drives us still to give of our time, our energy, and our efforts. Compassion because compassion has been shown to us and we recognize the need for us to return compassion we know what it's like to be in need and so therefore we with a compassionate heart feel something in our spirit we feel what they are going through Gentry and Destiny came home for a couple of days they fly out real real early in the morning to um, California to Los Angeles and they've been gone for about four weeks and they, they drove home and just two days long enough to be able to wash clothes and get things back together and Gentry came into town and he, he went by the house, I was here and so he, in his clowning around and playing with the dog, um, he, he did something and he, he pinched a nerve in his back. Threw his back out. Now, having dealt with severe back issues for the biggest part of twenty years, I recognized the action. I recognized everything that he that he was going through. Now, some of you can come. There's some of you tonight can come and talk about certain sicknesses that I have never that I have never dealt with. And I can sympathize with you. You can talk about what you feel because of arthritis or because of other physical conditions. And I can sympathize with you, meaning I feel terrible. I feel sorry for you because of what you're going through. I feel bad for you. And I'm sorry that you go through it. I'll pray for you. But I can't say I know what it is like. If I recognize and know what it is like, that is not sympathy, but that is empathy. Meaning, I, at the moment, in the expressions on the face, I know what that feels like. And he was out here playing with a dog, and he started to run. He took two quick steps, and all of a sudden, lets out a yell. And I saw him as he stopped, and he couldn't move, and he froze in position. And and he was trying to catch his breath, and it kind of went downhill from there until finally we got him in the car. And I said, I gotta get you, I gotta go get you some help. We were praying and asking God to, to help him. But I could empathize with him because I knew what he was feeling, because I've been there to where the pain is so severe. Some of you that's had those kind of Back conditions understand exactly what I'm talking about. I see heads nodding out there because some of you have been through that and you know exactly what it's like. Some Somebody here will have a certain surgery. Somebody else has been through it and you can empathize with them because you, you you're not just talking about, oh, well, I'm really sorry that you feel that sympathy. But when you know the pain and when they talk about it, it's as if you feel it. And it's like, oh my, I know what you're going through. It changes how you respond to it because you've experienced it. When you have received compassion, when people have been compassionate toward you, compassionate toward your faults, compassionate toward your failures, See, compassion is more than just giving of finances or giving. We're going to get to the heart of the matter tonight. We're going to talk about when you know what somebody's going through, some of you have lost loved ones. And the ministry of compassion during times of great loss, that is a huge ministry. And particularly for people who know what it's like. For some of you that have gone through the loss of family members and loved ones that are close to you, and, and, and you're moved with compassion because you, you feel exactly what they're going through at that moment. And, and it is, you're driven and motivated by that deep yearning inside you to, if I could just do something to relieve the pain, if I could help them, if I could lift, if I could encourage them, if I could say something. Because it is not sympathy, but empathy that is coming out of you. It's called compassion because you feel something deep down inside you. Mark chapter 8. Jesus said, I have compassion on the multitude. Because they've been with me three days and have nothing to eat. Let me stop for a moment and tell you that when you are going through things in life, let me tell you about Jesus and let me tell you about a God that is touched by the very feeling of our infirmity. You have an infirmity in your body? It moves God with compassion. I want you to understand the kind of God we serve. He is touched by the feeling of our infirmity. What you feel, somebody sitting in here tonight that's dealing with sickness or dealing with hurt or dealing with pain or worry or fear or anxiety, and I can go on down the list tonight, but if you're here tonight, whatever it is you're dealing with, God is touched because of what you're going through. Not even your prayer, not even my prayer for you. He's already touched by it Because he knows what you're going through. Every temptation that you've been through, he was tempted in all points like as we are. You you can't deal with anything that the scripture does not give us reference that he knows exactly what it feels like. Therefore, he's moved with compassion. Jesus fasted. 40 days and 40 nights he fasted. The reason the Bible says forty days and 40 nights is because it's quite different because a typical Jewish fast was from sunup until sundown. they would eat at night they would eat under the cover of darkness but did not eat through the day. That was a typical Jewish fast so they would fast for a day that would be they would not eat from from morning through until night. So they, they had to uh, right now they would be eating at six AM and couldn't eat again until seven PM. That was a an all-day fast. They didn't eat nor did they drink. They didn't drink, even drink water. And this is where we have to be careful when we're talking about fast. I'm kind of chasing a little rabbit trail here. I just want to just want to talk to you about it for a moment. So we have to be careful. But when Jesus fasted forty days and forty nights, now we're to a whole new level and this is a Jesus fast <laughs> That was 40 days and 40 nights. And during this time, he was tempted three times of Satan himself. And the temptation during that time was to take his own life. Pretty serious. So one doesn't just jump up one day and wake up and say, Hey, I'm going to go on a 40-day and 40-night fast. You, you, You need to be careful about that. So because of what Jesus has been through, he understands and he knows. So there's nothing that you face, nothing you deal with. So... He knows what it's like to be hungered because he fasted. And they had stayed with him for three days and had had nothing to eat. Imagine this. I mean, it's one thing for me to call the church on a three-day fast. I would only have a select few that would go with me. But if I ask you to have a three-day fast and stay here while I teach you for three days, I wonder how many would spend three days and three nights with me sitting here. I'm not Jesus, I understand. And so afterward, Jesus had compassion. He felt horrible for them. They've been here listening to him teach and preach for three days. So now he has compassion on the multitude because they had nothing to eat. Now, this, this word compassion, I want to break it down. Let me ask, how many of you speak more than one language here? How many of you speak? Well the bowling I didn't know you spoke more than one language. I'm gonna leave that right there. Anybody else speak more than one language? I know Brother Alfonso Suarez. I know he speaks he speaks two languages. Sister Fishback, uh, Sister Suarez. So there's some of you. Me, how many of you speak more than one language besides Brother Bolinger? So Sister Paula. All right, we got a few. How many of you speak three languages? Anybody speak three languages? All right, we're gonna we're gonna do something cool tonight because you're gonna I'm gonna teach you a word tonight. And uh, anybody ever wanted to speak Greek? I wouldn't know. You, I don't know why anybody would want to speak Greek. I just, I don't know why anybody would want to speak Greek. But that's okay. Sister Robin is always. Anytime I ask the question, she's always the the odd man out here. So, uh, so we're so when we leave tonight, um, everybody here is gonna. I'm gonna teach you Greek, and so you can leave and tell everybody I know two languages. All right. So, so we're gonna do this. So, let's this word. This word, all right. I want you to pronounce that with me right now. Are you ready? I want you to pronounce it out loud. Ready? Here we go. Is there anybody here that wants to attempt it? I, I would be willing to pause this lesson long enough for you to to attempt this. Anybody think you're close? You think you're close? You think you're close? All right, I can tell you, you're probably not close. All right, so what you see at the top is you see Greek written in Greek, and now you see the Greek word written in English. And the pronunciation, like all Greek words, is nothing at all like it looks. So I want you to say this with me. Not sock. Okay, not sock, like the sock you wear. Not sock. You got to put an L in there and slock, okay, because it's Greek. That's how it is. And it's got to come out of your throat like your throat's filled with phlegm, all right? And so it's slock. <laughs> and that's how the Greeks talk. I've been there for real. You, 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 I'm kind of like, whoa, 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 careful. So it's slock. Say that with me. Slock. Knees, all right, slock, knees, say it together, slock, knees, ah, my, slock, knees, am I. See, it's simple, see, all right, ready, now I want you to read it, I want you to read it, the top line now, ready, the top line, ready, here we go, slock, knees, am I, see, that's simple, until next time you see that word, you're going to say, oh, yeah, of course, schlocknizomai. Yeah, I got it. So if anybody asks you, do you speak more than one language, you can tell them, I do, I speak Greek. I know one word, schlocknizomai. All right. So this word, schlocknizomai, is an interesting word because it's translated in your King James Bible, it's, it's translated as compassion. It's a whole lot easier to say, isn't it? Compassion. Slock knees am I. We say compassion because we speak English compassion. And so when we say the word compassion, we have certain things that run through our mind. There's, there's certain certain thoughts that that run through our mind. When we say the word compassion, and those thoughts, those thoughts that run through your mind is how you define the word, Compassion. But when we're done tonight, every time you see the word compassion, I want you to think I. It's not a pretty word because the definition, these, and I'm going to give you the definition straight from the dictionary. It means a yearning within the bowels. Kind of graphic, isn't it? A yearning within the bowels doesn't seem pretty. Or even a likely word picture that when we say compassion, you don't think a yearning within the bowels, of course. I'm guessing if I would have asked you to do to, to define this word when I told you I was going to speak of compassion tonight, I, I don't think, how many of you would have immediately said, oh yes, of course, it's a thought that comes through my mind. A yearning within my bowels. Probably not. Probably not. But the word, the Greek word, I, is, is, is not a pretty word, but it's exactly what's best suited. And the best way to describe this is, is like this. Have you ever wanted something or desired something or felt something? So deeply that it's as if it churns within your gut, within your belly. Now, some of you know that I have this weird little glitch that I don't like getting sick. 'Cause if I happen to regurgitate, something happens and my vagal nerve that sits on the top of my heart decides to shut off for a minute and out I go and down I go and I faint, I pass out. And supposedly as soon as I go flat, it usually returns and comes, you know, immediately resuscitates. A few years ago, it didn't do, didn't work right. Ended me in the hospital a few days, and so I learned a lot about this vessel vagal, as they call it, or hyper vessel vagal. And since I've understood different things, you know, these these kids are like, "Oh, cool, man! I was watching this basketball game, and this guy was running down the court, and..." He went to jump, and when he went to jump, he broke his leg. And ooh, watch this video. Anybody ever seen him? You know, when they you know, he goes this way and his leg goes that way, and doing something and something disjoints or on the ouch that hurts kind of video when the skateboarder comes down and it doesn't work out so well. Okay, I can't watch those. Because I have this little niche that is called hypervassovagal And that means the moment that I see it, I feel something in my gut. And if I'm not real careful, in a moment, I'll wake back up. I can pass out at the drop of a hat, just boom. Because this little weird thing that I have. Now, sight of blood doesn't bother me. But there's certain things, and it is a feeling. I don't understand it. But it's a feeling in in my gut. And it's where I feel it. And somehow it's attached. And it tells my vagal nerve that it has the same effect of when I become sick. And so when I see it, when that hits me in the gut, boom, down I go. If I'm not really careful and prepare and know what's coming and walk away and look away and get my mind off of it very quickly. So this word, let's get back to the word now. Slock knees am I? Slock knees am I. Compassion. It means a feeling that hits you deep in your gut. It's more than just sympathy. It is empathy because you feel it. You know the pain. You know what they're going through. You sense it. It is something that grabs you at your very core. Anybody with me tonight? So, this word, see, the English language loses all of that when we say compassion. Because if I said compassion, most of you just say, well, here, let me just pull out my wallet and here, it's over. But that's not compassion. That's not, Jesus wasn't moved with $5. He was moved so deeply that he was willing to go to the cross. He was moved so deeply. With sickness that he said, I'm going to take stripes on my back. It was more than just, oh yeah, we need to do something about that. It was moved to the innermost being. It was moved to the extreme. It was moved to the very core. And so when we look at the word compassion, we have such a, a superficial idea. We lose so much in the language because it's not a kick in the gut when we see something. It's more. It, it's, it's superficial. It's a $5 bill and passing the man on the street. Oh yeah, I showed compassion to him. No, we didn't. It's much deeper than a $5 bill in his hat. Move to the very core, to the very innermost being. I think we're starting to get the word picture here. Sloknizamai, a yearning within the bowels, kind of compassion. When Jesus had compassion on the multitude, it was not just sitting back and saying, Hey, John, run down to the store and feed these people. They're probably hungry. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You had compassion on us. No, 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 no. It's much deeper. And so it is with you because he's touched with the feelings of your infirmity. It's much deeper than the English language can possibly imagine. It's so much deeper because it's more than just, oh, he's touched. That means, oh, Jesus, Jesus, well, we got his attention. No, 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 no. It's much de- deeper than that. There was compassion. It means he was motivated or driven to respond physically. He was touched. Compassion to the point of an internal yearning. A deep sense of empathy and concern with people with needs that resonate within our own within our own Life. Such a deep emotion that it can't easily be shut down, shut off, or ignored. An emotional connection or concern, one that you can't easily just walk away from. Slock knees, am I. So Jesus had compassion. And when he had compassion, the scripture says that he began to heal them. Think about that. He stopped, he took his time, and he began to heal them. It's not compassion to see the need and say, Hey, James, you and John run down to CVS and get some Tylenol. These people are in pain. Much deeper. Jesus, after spending time teaching, he now begins to heal When I speak to you tonight about compassion, obviously I want to take this home and I want it to begin to resonate in our own life because our compassion toward one another and our compassion toward the lost must be more than lip service to where we say, oh man, I hate they're going through that. but to where we involve ourselves in their dilemma. Let me show you a biblical story of compassion when Jesus talks about the Good Samaritan. The biblical story of the Good Samaritan is such a great example of compassion because one sees the need and he crosses the street to get away from the need He notices it. Maybe he said, oh man, too bad. I feel bad for them. But the good Samaritan, he crosses the street to get to where the need is. Not away from the need, but to get to the need. He sees a need, crosses the street to get to the need, and gets there, and watch what he does. He involves himself. Busy schedule, perhaps. You think he was overran with finances? Probably not. Probably just like you and I. Just get by. We work. We 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 we're okay. We're not needing a handout. But we in we come across a man who was wounded and 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 in the street. But he crosses the street intentionally to get to where he is. And then involves himself into the need of someone else. He personally binds his wounds. He pours the oil. He gives what he has, the immediate need, the immediate first aid. What do we need now? What can we do at this moment? So he does the, 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 the now. He does the first aid. He becomes the medic. Are you with me? Am I okay tonight? I know you're tired. I just let me, let me have your attention for a little bit longer. He sees the need, crosses the street, gets to where he is, performs first aid, puts oil and binds up the wound and then puts him on his own beast and then takes him to the hospital. And he doesn't pull up to the ER and say, hey guys, um, unload my old friend here. I found him on the side of the road. Hey, best of luck to you. That's not how he handled it. But instead, he pulls up to ER. He takes him in. He says, hey, here's my name, my phone number, my address. Take care of him and whatever the bill is, send it to me. I don't think he has the ability to take care of it. And I'm not asking you to do it for benevolence. Send it to me. Oh, he had to have just been rolling in money. It's not the story. It's not the picture. It's not the descriptive term. But there was something in him to where he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. So deeply that he involves himself. And then when given an option to walk away... He says, by the way, I'm coming back by to check on this situation. I'm going to follow up. Everybody say follow through. This is a real story of compassion, biblical compassion. Slot knees of my compassion that goes to where the need is and involves himself. Imagine being tired, hungry, emotionally exhausted, and seeing someone with a great need. And you know it won't be solved with a quick fix, but it's going to take time and effort. And most of us think, oh, can it not go away? Quickly justifying our actions of not responding to the need that we see. But then something within us is stirred because we know where we were. And we know what God has done for us. And we recognize that we can't just turn our head and think that it goes away. But we have to get involved in what is going on. Instead of turning away, we turn aside. Instead of walking away, we walk toward the need. And we involved ourselves. Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, has called you and I out of darkness into this marvelous light. But he has called us and he has called his people to have compassion. He has called us to that kind of compassion. To that kind of involvement. Jesus completely disregards his own needs to focus on the needs of those that came. Compassion is the kingdom principle that is often lacking in the lives of many believers. We're okay with charity, but compassion's not charity. Charity is opening the wallet and giving a $5 bill, but compassion says I will involve myself and I will have follow through because I am moved so deeply that I can't walk away from it. Compassion. We continue in verse 15 when it was evening. The disciples came to him. This place is a desolate place place and the hour is already late so send the crowds away that they might go into the villages and buy food for themselves. What do the disciples see? They see the need of the people and they see their own limitations. Send them away and let them go take care of themselves. There is a, a huge picture right there that's not Oh, well, they're having compassion after three days of fasting and three days of teaching. If I was the teacher and you were three days hungry, you would think it was compassion for me to say, I'm going to let you go and get yourself some fried chicken. And that's what the disciples said. Let them go and buy themselves. They see the world through the eyes of their flesh. What they don't see is Jesus as they should have. They don't see their circumstance through the eyes of the master of all creation that is sitting in their midst. This is the Jesus who healed thousands, drove out demons, had given sight to the blind, had made the deaf ears to hear, had calmed the violent storm, had raised a dead child. How is it that they couldn't see him as the one that would be able to feed several thousand? Send them away. That's compassion. Close this joint down. End this meeting. Stop teaching after three days already. Let them go and buy food. They saw the people in the need, but they saw their own inabilities and their own lack of ability. And the truth is, is they saw compassion like we seek compassion. It was a $5 bill in a lunch bag. But Jesus said, not so quickly. I'm going to teach you a lesson about compassion I'm going to I'm going to let you see it I find it very interesting that they don't ask Jesus to do something they they, they, they never they, they they're just you know let's let's send them away their their suggestion they had the answer they're they're already working they didn't got together Jesus listen, the twelve of us got together and we talked and we've already decided that the best thing to do with them is to send them away and here stands Jesus mm-hmm Because that's what the flesh always wants to do. A five dollar bill and a lunch bag and send them on their way and call it evangelism. Call it concern. Call it care. Boy, we really met the needs of people today. We, we, We fed them hot dogs and gave them a slap on the back and told them, we'll be praying for you. But the way Jesus views compassion is so much deeper than a hot dog and a $5 bill and send them on their way because that's how we're thinking, oh, I'm going to get taken advantage of. But biblical compassion says there's no way you can take advantage of this. I'm so concerned that I'm coming to where you are And I'm going to get involved in your life. And I'm going to help you. I see you. Here is the real act of evangelism, ladies and gentlemen. It is when we recognize that it is more than a good church service on Sunday. And it is more than a Bible study, so we can chalk the number down and get it on our roster so at the end of the year we can say, we taught so many Bible studies this year. Or it's more than a number that received the Holy Ghost or got baptized. But when we begin to see evangelism, true, compassionate evangelism at the heart of people, we start saying, I see people that are on their way to a a lake of fire. Not for a vacation or a few days, but not for a journey, but for eternity. I see people lost without God. Now it engages us and we start saying, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not going to stand idly by See, because when it's your children, it's much more important. When it's somebody else's children, well, I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd just give them a good talking to and straighten them up. But when it's your kids, you involve yourself in it. And you say, I'll spend my time, my energy, my effort. I will plead with them. I will do whatever I have to do. I will go out of my way. I'll go above and beyond because it's my child. When it's your child, I'll pray for you. But when we're moved with slot knees, am I? Jesus, kind of compassion that says, I'm going to involve myself into their life to the point that I see somebody that has a need and they're open to me ministering to them. It'll take my time to take them to dinner, to take them to a coffee shop. It's not about the money I'm spending. It's not even about the things I'm giving up. But it's the fact that I look and recognize that I too was lost and undone. And on my way to eternity without God. So therefore, I'm willing to not allow somebody, my neighbor, my friend, my, my, my loved one. I will not stand idly by while they go to a devil's hell for eternity. I'll involve myself. I'll get involved. I'll spend my time. Because this is more than a little pocket change and a lunch sack. Jesus is teaching a principle here. His compassion was so much deeper. It was so much more. The disciples said, let them go. Dismiss them. Give them a break. Send them away. Send them on a vacation. Do something nice for them. Give them some some gifts for their kids at Christmas. What have we done? I'm all about it. I'm all for it. We do it every year. I'm sure we'll do it again this year. We try to bless families. We try to do something for those who can't help themselves. We try to do it. We do all we can. But that, ladies and gentlemen, is not compassion. Compassion is when we get involved in their life to the point of saying, I'm not going to allow you to be lost. I'm not, listen, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not interested in putting another tank of gas in somebody's vehicle to get them further down the road and call that compassion evangelism. Well, you never know, Pastor. You know, you just, you know, just send them on down to Lafayette and let, let somebody deal with them down there. I'm not interested. I'm not interested in buying another meal for somebody just because they come by claiming they're hungry. I'm looking for people who are more than just wanting a, a handout, more than just give me something, but somebody who says, I need a change here. And when you show me somebody that needs a change in their heart and I can involve myself with them, there is no price that I am not willing to pay. That is compassion. When the church buys them to the ministry of compassion. People don't care how smart we are. They don't care how good our music program is. They don't care how... Wonderful! The evangelists are that we bring by, or how beautiful our building is, or how wonderful our location is, or how cool our sign is. They're not concerned with any of that. What they're concerned with is: Are you are you willing to involve myself in your life? Are you willing to involve yourself into my life? One of our members ran into someone this past couple weeks ago, and they said, "I'm in need." I'm not looking for money, I'm not looking for a handout, I'm not looking for food, I'm not looking for any of that. But I need somebody that can help me. The first words that the person spoke to them was, I may not be able to help you. I'm not a counselor, but I know my our pastor and our pastor's wife, and maybe you can meet with them and maybe you could talk to them. And he called me and he said, when I, when I started talking to them along that line, they said, well, I feel really comfortable and I'm willing to open up and talk to you. I I'm, I said, by all means. Listen. You don't have to have the answers. Is it okay for me to involve myself? Of course it is. This is how we win people. Because you don't win people by telling them, let me quote 47 passages of Scripture to you and tell you how wrong you are and how right I am. What wins people is when you say, I'm willing to involve myself into your life, into your problem, into your troubles. You got a marital problem, I'll sit and counsel with you and I'll help you and I won't give up on you. Until you can see the light of day. You have emotional issues. You have scars. I'm going to help you. I'll teach a Bible study to you until you understand the mighty God in Christ. I will talk to you until you see your need. I will pray with you until God breaks the addiction on your life. We will invest in you. This is where our church has got to go to. Our next level of growth has got to be more than a sack lunch and a $5 bill. But we've got to start looking for people that are in need. That we're saying, I'm willing to invest in them. Oh, I knew it was going to be a little tight in here on a Wednesday night. Because we love the sensationalism. I could talk about miracle signs and wonders and you'd be clapping on a Wednesday night, standing to your feet going, yeah, yeah, yeah. But now when we're talking about evangelism from the point of view of compassion, the way Jesus did it, when he began to involve himself in the lives of people, not on the surface, but to the point to where he was moved, to where his bowels yearned, to where he stayed awake at night, it's what motivated us. My prayer for you, and I'm closing, but my prayer for you tonight is I pray that God gives every one of us in this room, he begins to deal with us about compassion. What are you doing to help others that are on their way to eternity lost without God? What are you doing? Are you helping them? Or are you just pacifying them? Are you just handing them a sack lunch? Are you just handing them a $5 bill and sending them on their way? Are you just... what good parent is going to go through their whole life doing nothing but handing their child a cell phone or a video game and saying go entertain yourself i have no investment to make into your life but there's a point that you have to say no 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 come in we're going to come close we're going to do some training and some teaching and we're going to sit over dinner and talk and we're going to involve we're going to get involved in one another's lives the church if we're not careful We'll sing people away into eternity lost without God. We'll have good church while people are on their way into eternity without God. We've got to stop what we're doing for a moment to realize this means I'm, uh, who, who's pastor talking to tonight? Surely he's talking to the preachers in the room right now. I'm talking to every one of us who need to involve ourselves into the lives of people. There are people that you have that you can influence that nobody else can influence. If you started writing names, I challenge you to write names of people on your hit list—people that that you got down to. To and I challenge you to get down to three and to start building meaningful relationships with them. This is what I'm referring to: involve yourself into their life, begin to spend time involving yourself into their life, ministering to them at their point of need. Find where it is that you can show compassion to them. Something you passionate about that it wakes you up at night and you, you, you you're, you're praying for them and you're you're, in, you're you're calling them and you're following up and you're following through not because pastors on the phone saying hey did you follow through not because your' small group leaders saying hey did you follow through with them but because you're so motivated and so driven you're doing it out of compassion I pray tonight that I have spoken to you in a way that when you walk out of this room, You've done more than left and said we laughed and pastor taught us a Greek word. But I hope tonight you can walk out of here with a brand new idea of what compassion is really about. When the Lord tells us to allow the mind of Christ to be in us, it is more than just, oh, I'm going to think like God thinks, I'm going to think like Jesus thought. Of course, it's much deeper. I pray that you're moved with compassion. That you move your compassion moves away from charitable giving and moves into the arena of involving yourself into the lives of people that you can have an eternal impact on their destiny. I want you to stand with me tonight. I know it's kind of serious in the room. Cheryl, maybe you just give us a little music tonight. We're just going to pray. I just want you to join your heart with me right now all over this room. And I want you to ask God, let this word settle in to the point. God, lay a soul on my heart. Let me me see people through a new eye. Let me look through a new lens of compassion that I've never looked before. Let me not see someone who can't afford the grocery bill and feel like I I have succeeded because I handed them a $5 bill in the grocery line and helped pay. That's wonderful, that's good, but did you follow through? Because their need is more than a gallon of milk and a loaf of bread. But their need is much deeper. Did you get their phone number? Did you follow through? Did you build a relationship with them? Well, that takes time. Yes, it does. Master, send them away that they can buy dinner. But Jesus, having compassion on them, said, no, we're going to invest in them. There's more work to do. And we're not going to stop until their need is met. Pray with me right now. Father, we need you tonight. Let your mind, let your heart, let this word resonate with us tonight to the point of realization God of forgive us God for what we have been to considering compassion nothing more than charitable giving but at the end of the year God we evaluate what we've done in the area of compassion ministries but what shows up on our tax forms we start looking at what eternal impact we've had on somebody's life because we're moved deep, deep inside. Come on, church. I don't want to do all the praying for you right now. You need to talk to the Lord on your own. Why don't you just ask Him, God, give me a heart of compassion. Give me a heart of compassion. God, we need you tonight. Let it settle in this place. Let us walk out of here changed. Let us walk out of here changed. In the name.